in church today? Could be in jail. Could be in a hospital. Life is good. Amen. Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment. Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible. Right after the rendering of the law, the first five books, the Pentateuch, the the books that Moses writes that are commonly known as the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And uh, Joshua is an interesting book because I think there's a, a number of themes in the book. But you really don't go very far into the book of Joshua without seeing one glaring theme in chapter 1. And the, the theme of, I believe, one of the themes of the book of Joshua is how to move on. And I think one of the things that we struggle with as people is how to move on. Uh, whether it's good times, right? I just remember back when things were so good. Or it's bad times. I can't let go of this terrible memory. We struggle with how to move on. And Joshua finds himself in this place of needing to move on. And, and how does he do it? Joshua chapter 1, look if you would at verse number 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, sorry, putting my phone away. Put your, putting your phone away, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Kind of sounds harsh. Lord's like, hey, Josh, so that guy you served all those years, yeah, he's gone. It's kind of a harsh reality. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even on the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and on the great sea toward the going down of the sun, that's the, 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 the Red Sea there on the west, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded. Notice all the times that Moses is mentioned here. Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong. Have you noticed how many times he tells us to be strong and be of courage over and over and over? It kind of tells me maybe he's like struggling with the idea of moving on. Let, let me remind you, uh, Joshua, did you hear me? Be strong, courageous. Yeah, I heard you. Be strong, courageous. Be very strong. Be very courageous. Yeah, Lord, I got it. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee 
whithersoever thou goest. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to ask uh, Brother James if you would open us up in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. Be seated if you would. I, I don't think, uh, I think one of the things that we don't do often when we read an, a, a book of the Bible is consider what came right before it. And if you look at Deuteronomy 34, it's literally the page to your left of Joshua 1. If you look at Deuteronomy 34, uh, look if you would at verse number 7. And when Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And I want you to notice in verse 9, what are the first two words in verse 9? After Moses is now dead, first two words are what? And Joshua. It's almost like the Lord goes, look, uh, yes, Moses is gone now, but I'm not dead. And, and I, yes, th- this is not, the, it's no longer about Moses. Now it's about Joshua. And I'll be honest with you guys. I don't think Joshua is quite ready to move on. If you, if you could understand the history and kind of how Joshua is inserted in Moses's life, you might understand why Joshua would be a little hesitant to take on the role of Moses the second. I mean, those are some big shoes to fill. The Red Sea, manna falling from heaven, uh, miraculously having water come out of a rock. Uh, Lord, I'm not sure that I can be that guy like Moses was. And I think what the Lord is eventually going to show Joshua is, you don't have to be Moses. I just want you to be Joshua. But in order to be Joshua, the first step in your life for the book of Joshua to start to make sense, for you to experience what I want in your life, is you're going to have to learn to move on. I read a story about a a Japanese man named, I'll try to say his name the right way, Shoichi Yokoi. And uh, this man was in 1941, he was 26 years old, he was drafted into World War II, became part of the Imperial Army, and in 1944, three years later, he's on the island of Guam when the Americans invaded Guam. And when the Americans invaded Guam, uh, there was a, a pocket of people that, that fled, and they, you know, you have to understand, in, in Japanese Imperial times, to be caught was a far worse fate than to either fall on your sword or to run for your life. They said, man, the worst thing that could happen is don't, don't go into the hands of the Americans, not because they'll torture you, just because it would be shameful. And so what they did is they said, you know what? The Americans are coming. We're going to flee. You know what they did? This guy built a cave by the side of a waterfall, covered it with bamboo, and he survived, listen to me, 28 years. Had, listen, he was eating eels, jungle rats, I mean, whatever he could get his hands on, uh, fruits, nuts. That was this man's diet. For 28 years, that man lived in isolation. One day, these two hunters were out walking through Guam. I think they may have been American hunters. I'm not sure. They're out there hunting, and they see this guy that's kind of like barely clothed, and the guy starts running at them, attacking them. But here's this guy eating eels and rats, and it's not exactly the best diet in the world. 
And, and so he's malnourished a little bit. They were able to subdue the man. And when they learned who he was, this man had no idea that World War II ever ended. When they brought him over to Japan, there was a crowd of 5,000 people waiting for him in Tokyo, and he was in tears. And that man, for the rest of his life, he would fly back to Guam whenever he could. He had a hard time adjusting to life. You say, why? Because in his mind, everything stopped in 1944. And even though they found him and tried to bring him and integrate him back into civilization, in his mind, he's looking at all the westernization of his country and he's looking around going, I don't understand. Why are we doing this? This isn't who we are. And he could never kind of readjust because for him, even though he was brought back to Japan in the 70s, he was still in his mind in the 1940s. Does this make sense? And so oftentimes people struggle with the idea of being able to move on in life. And listen, if you're saved here, you know what the Lord did? The Lord found you in a waste, howling wilderness, and he established your goings, and he addressed your wounds, and he ministered to you. But just because you're saved doesn't mean you automatically move on from everything in your life the right way. Can I get a witness? Joshua, listen, it wasn't even a matter of sinful past. Joshua didn't have that. Joshua's past was spent serving the man of God. And by the way, by most people's accounts, Joshua would have been the second choice. You say, who was the best choice for the, the uh, assistant of, of, of Moses? It was his own brother Aaron. Do you remember when Moses goes to God and he's like, Lord, I can't speak. I, I'm a man of a, a stuttering tongue and I, I, don't, I don't speak well and I'm not, I'm not very eloquent in my speech. He says all these excuses and he goes, you know what? That's okay, Moses. I will send your brother with you. Doth he not speak well? That's what God says to, to Moses. Aaron was a naturally gifted speaker. Isn't it funny that when Moses goes up the mountain, he doesn't take Aaron with him, he takes Joshua? And isn't it funny that the naturally gifted speaker, Aaron, is the one that causes the people to worship a golden calf? Joshua was the second choice by many people's standards. Aaron would have been the leader, the one that speaks, the one that's out there. And Joshua's quiet and kind of in the background. So when Moses dies, Joshua's kind of like, I don't know that I'm up for this. Lord, I think you got the wrong guy. I'm not sure that I'm ready to move on. I don't know about you. We, we renovated our house recently, and there's photo albums, and we used to have a, a place for all of our albums, so we were taking those albums down, and so I'm a, I'm a sentimental, emotional Latino man, okay? <laughs> I start looking at pictures, ay, Dios mío, and the tears start rolling. And I, I mean, I look at my, oh, she was so little. Whatever happened to my baby? What, there she is, cariño, bebe, amor, negrita. I love it. And I look at these pictures. I go, whatever happened? And she got so old and so, so mean. And she was so sweet. But I, I mean, to this, I can hear her voice when she was two and three years old. Daddy, daddy, daddy. You say, well, she wasn't like mentally slow. She just couldn't say daddy the right way. And so... She, was, she got over that. She can say, are we in trouble now? Am I in trouble now? Okay. I love you. All right. I looked at those pictures and all of a sudden my mind goes back and I'm like, oh, those were the good old days. Right? <laughs> right? But, you know, and there's nothing necessarily sinful about that. But I know some people that will take that to an excessive degree and they won't move on from that beautiful past. 
It's not always about leaving sin in the past. Obviously, Paul the Apostle talks about that. Brethren, I, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward uh, to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And those things that used to mean something to me, you know what I count them now? I count them but dung. So, so we know that when it comes to sinful past, you leave that back there. But what about the blessings? What about the good times? I remember when business was good and life was good and marriage was good and the kids were good. Well, you're not there anymore. And if you're not careful, you will live in that past and you will have a hard time moving on. And God, you're going, yeah, but Moses. And God's going, yeah, but I want to use you, Joshua. And Joshua, listen, Moses is dead, but I'm not. You say, who is Joshua? He's just the minister. He's a servant in the shadows. You know, the Bible says about Elisha. He was the man, when they describe, when the king of, of Judah, Jehoshaphat, describes who Elisha is, he describes him this way. He was the man that poured water over the hands of Elijah. You go, who was that? Elisha was Elijah's minister. Look at Joshua chapter 1, and look, if you would, at verse number 1. How does the Lord describe Joshua? He is, at the end of verse 1, he is Moses' minister. He, he is the one that was there to serve Moses. And he's watching Moses do all these miracles. And I mean, you, you go through the, the chronology, the, the history of how Joshua gets involved. All of a sudden, I don't know what led up to this, but in Exodus 17, you don't have to turn there. Uh, Moses goes, hey, Joshua, pick some men to fight. We're going to fight Amalek. And it's almost like, where did Joshua come from? We don't know. He was there, and there was something about him that Moses saw that I believe got his attention and said, man, you know what? Aaron's always telling me how I can do my job better. Great assistant pastor he is. Here's this young man with spirit and with fervor, and he puts his head down, and he's quiet, and he does his job, and he's not there for the glory. He just wants to do something for God. I want him. And so Joshua is selected, I believe, with great honor from Moses to go in the fight. And then later on in Exodus 24, that's when Moses goes up the mountain. He goes, hey, Josh, I want you to come with me. And we know the story. They come down off that mountain eight chapters later. And then Joshua's like, oh, man, we left and we left the people. And, and now they're getting attacked. There's a war going on. And Moses is like, hey, Josh, about that. They're having a party. That's not a war. And so this is, this is if I were looking back in my life and I were Joshua, I would think about Exodus 17 when Moses goes, I want you to pick out some men and fight. I would think about Exodus 24 and I get to be the one that walks up that mountain with Moses. What do they talk about? What was that conversation like? What was it like when God shows up to Moses and Joshua's there just watching it all? And then they come down off that mountain eight chapters later, and, and Joshua goes, oh, we're in trouble. And Moses goes, yeah, we're in trouble, but not for the reason you think. I, I guarantee you his mind went back to that. How about in Exodus 33, after the golden calf, after the, the, the people and, and, and the death of those worshiping the golden calf and all that stuff, all the trauma. You read the Bible, you're kind of like, oh, they just moved on. People died. People died because of that. That would have been traumatic for a group of people that almost numbered about a million people walking in the middle of nowhere, following a man that says he's following God, and, and all of a sudden, everyone's worshiping the golden calf, and then people die as a result of that. You'd be like, what are we doing? Where do we go? Joshua was there for all of that. Now I think about what the Bible says in the book of Numbers when Joshua is jealous for Moses' sake. He goes, oh, there's people prophesying. And Moses is like, I would have I got all the people of God would prophesy. Yeah. 
I bet you his mind went back to, I bet you after that golden calf situation when no one knows what to do, and Moses goes, you know what? I'm going to move the tabernacle way out of the camp over here. And if you want to meet with God, you're going to have to leave that filthy mess and go out there. What a great picture that is. You want fellowship with God, you might have to leave some things. And so I, I guarantee you, Joshua's mind probably went back to Exodus 33 after Moses takes his last breath. You ever been around someone's taking their last breath? I bet you his eyes filled with tears. I bet you his mind went back to Exodus 33 when Moses was in that tabernacle and Joshua was listening to him and God talk. Moses leaves and Joshua doesn't. He's the only one in there. I I guarantee you his mind went back there. (laughs) How about Moses picking you and your buddy Caleb? Let's go spy out the land. Right? You say, why do you select Caleb? Because Caleb's are quiet people that observe a lot of things. Amen? (laughs) Amen? We, just need, we need a Joshua here. Someone go find a Joshua, please. Bring him in. All right? But, but there's Joshua and Caleb, and they go in to spy out the land, and they're going to look at everything, and, and, and Joshua comes back all excited. Moses, we can do this. We can do this. We can win. We can win. And then everybody else is like, no, we can't. No, we can't. No, we can't. No, we can't. And, and, then, and then Moses tells all the people, hey, you need to listen to Joshua and Caleb. I guarantee you his mind went back to that. Look, if you would at Deuteronomy. Very close, chapter 34. Look, if you would, at verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Moses is 120. His eyes are still good. His natural force is not abated. He could go on. You know what that teaches us? He's 120, but he could still take a guy. And Joshua's going, no, Lord, it's not time yet. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to move on. He still has more in the tank. Lord, what are you doing? Can I say this? I cannot always tell you why things happen the way they do in your life and the timing of those things. I can tell you this. If someone were asking me if I would have found out that we'd be Having a sixth child on my 41st birthday, I would not have said, oh, that's what we're going to plan. Yeah, absolutely. God's timing is different than our timing. And I don't know why at this moment, outside of the fact that God caps man's life at 120, we know that as a general rule of thumb, outside of that, I cannot point to you and say, this is why Moses dies right there. No idea. But here's what I know. Joshua more than likely is not ready for Moses to leave the scene because the, the, the thing that's being written here, after, by the way, question, if Moses is writing Deuteronomy, who finishes Deuteronomy when De- Moses is dead? You ever think about that? So here's Joshua more than likely writing the last part of Deuteronomy. He's dead. What do I do now? He's the one I followed. He's the one that I was associated with. And forever his legacy would be connected to Moses, but, but Moses is gone. And you know what? If it was the worst time in your life, can I say this? It's gone. If it was the best time in your life, it might be gone as well. And you're left with the, uh, the, 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 the burden, if you will, of learning how do I move on from that? How do I? They wept for him for 30 days. 
You know what it says in verse number eight? The days of his mourning were ended. You know what I'm not ever going to tell someone that's going through a traumatic situation? You're done crying. Let's move on. I'm not going to do that, but God did. Are you hearing me? I'm not going to be like, oh, really? I'm sorry about that. Why are you still crying? It's only been a year. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not the Lord, but I know this. The Lord says, hey, I made you to have emotions. I made you to cry. I made you to laugh. I made you to rejoice. Why? Because that's what I do as well. That's what God himself does. God has emotions. It's not that emotions are evil, but listen, you cannot stay in a place of weeping forever. Because if you do, what you'll find out is you will associate your entire life with the idea that, man, that season of my life was the best. It'll never be that way again. And you'll miss everything that God has in front of you. I have met people, and Cindy will tell you this, who will to this day say, oh, I remember those Gideon Baptist days. 30 years ago. I loved those days. They were awesome. But God did not die in 1998. You know what I'm trying to get? I'm trying, hey, listen, it's time to move on for some of you. And there's some things in your life you need to move on from. And they're not all necessarily sinful. The question is, how do I do it the right way? When, when Saul the king was rejected by God, you know what Samuel does? He gets down and he gets on an altar and he pours out his heart to God and he weeps those tears and those tears keep going all night long. And God, you know what God, God, not me, not another preacher. You know what God says? How long are you going to cry? I didn't say that. I, I'm thankful I have a God that's empathetic, that catches our tears in his bottle and cares about every single situation in our life. But you know what? Not for God's good, but for his own good. God said, you got to move on. For our sake, we need to move on. Listen, I'm thankful for the memories of having church in our house in 2010. But we have to move on. And I am thankful for the Aurora Association of Realtors office building where we met for years and we would go there and find dirty diapers and beer bottles from the quinceanera the night before. That was great. But we had to move on. And I'm thankful for what God's done in this space, but guys, it's, it's getting to be time to move on. And there'll always be a place that you look back and I go, man, what a blessing that was. And look how God used it. But it's not the end. The period does not end there. And the Bible does not say the end in Deuteronomy 34. There's another book. There's another chapter in Joshua's life. You know what sedentary lifestyle does to you? You know what what sedentary is? Or it may look like this. Or it may look like this. You know what sedentary lifestyle is? It's just not moving. You know what's killing Americans? We're so comfortable we don't move. <laughs> I, I now look, some of you are like, oh, preacher, you better not preach on exercise. Slow down there, tiger. That's not the, the moral of the story, all right? But it wouldn't hurt to sweat either. Sedentary lifestyles increase all causes of mortality. They double the risk of cardiovascular disease diabetes, obesity, it increased the risk of colon cancer, high blood pressure. Uh, If I just got up and said, you shouldn't sit still, you'd be like, yeah, well, what do you know? Some doctor said this. Would you listen? In other words, emotionally and spiritually, let's take the physical aside for a moment. What happens when you just sit somewhere? 
You know what happens? You get sick. In the very first chapter in the Bible, you know what the Bible says? God created. The Spirit of God moved to combat the darkness. God said, God saw, God divided, God called, God said, God made, God called, God said, God called, God said, God said, God made, God set them, talking about the lights. He, God created, God blessed them, and it goes on and on. You know that shows us in the very first chapter of the Bible? God is a God of action. God is a doer. And you know what he's called us to do? He's called us, look, to enjoy the seasons of life in which we are in. But once those seasons are over, do you know say, okay, Lord, how do I move on? Look at Joshua chapter 1. Let's give you a couple of simple thoughts here. So how do I move on, preacher? How do I do this the right way, biblically? I'll say it this way. It's not just about move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing, move on to the next Okay, uh, I got to find a girlfriend, got to have a wife, got to get a job, got to get a house, got to have kids, and then, and then you know, once I have kids, got to get a college fund started, got to go on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I, I'm not talking about that kind of moving on. That's called not learning to be content with your life. Right. But I'm saying this, when God says, okay, that season is over, we're starting a new one, are you willing to move, or will you just say, I can't. Can I, can I say this? And I mean this sincerely. Some of you are going to go through some very hard things in your life that no one around you is going to understand or relate to because they're not going through it. And the tendency will be, if you're not careful, to enclose yourself and to withdraw yourself and go, they don't understand. And you're right, they don't. But God does. And the first thing I can say is this. You have to learn to deal with reality. Look, look, look at Joshua 1 verse 2. If I were coming to, to talk to Joshua, I, I wouldn't be like, hey, Joshua, hey, uh, so Moses is dead. <laughs> that wouldn't be the first thing that I say. You know what I would probably say? Hey, buddy, how you doing? What's going on? Talk to me, man. Let me have it. Pour it out, right? Like, let's talk about things. You don't want to bottle it all up. God shows up and goes, okay, I need you to understand He's not here anymore. This wasn't God being harsh. This was God going, we can't move on until you deal with what reality is. He, you know what reality, reality is the thing that when you close your eyes and imagine something completely different on those days when the baby's crying, you know, and, and did that poop that goes all the way up her back, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, the four-year-old scribbles something on the wall. And you go, did you do that? I didn't do that. Yeah, you did, you liar. You know, all stuff's going on. And you're like, take me somewhere else, you know. And you, your mind is on a beach. And then you open your eyes like, nope, the kids are still there. <laughs> That's reality. You have to learn to deal with reality. Uh, listen, when someone says, I remember the days when I used to serve God, and this was good, and that was good. and That's great, but you're not there anymore. Amen. You're here now. And the first thing that God does for, for or Joshua is he says, look, Moses is dead. Do you remember the story where Jesus is talking to the disciples about Lazarus dying? And he's like, he sleepeth. And they're like, well, it's good if he sleeps. I mean, after all, does he need rest? I read in the American Medical Journal that you really need sleep if you want to get rest and you want to recuperate. And they go on and on talking about sleeping. He's like, ah, stop, he's dead. Oh. Remember that? The Lord had to bring them up to speed very plainly to get them to understand, hey, what I meant was he's dead. He's not around anymore. When the Lord approaches Joshua, not because the Lord is being harsh, but because the Lord is trying to get him to understand, look, you will not get up and you will not move on if you don't learn to deal with the reality. You dreaming and wishing and hoping and this and that about what once was does not change your reality today. You know, some people in this church will say, I wish I got saved when I was little. You didn't. You got saved at 30. Pick up your bags. Let's move on. 
You may go, you're being harsh. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to help you. When God says that to Joshua, he wasn't being harsh. He's just going, look, we have to deal with the realities. And the reality is, Moses is no longer here. And by the way, you might have been his minister, Joshua, but he was my servant. Look at the wording. Moses, my servant. You think you miss him? I, I, like, I enjoyed watching him down there. It was a lot of fun. You say, Lord, you even enjoyed him getting upset. Man, every once in a while, I kind of laughed about his issues. Yes. I mean, can you imagine your God watching the nation of Israel? There's a million people following one guy, and he's like, these rebellious, stiff-necked people. And the Lord's like, mm-hmm, tell me more. I know nothing about disobedient children, Moses. Talk to me, would you? I think he had a fun with Moses. I do. And now Moses is off the scene. He goes this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Samuel had to face this reality with Saul. The disciples had to face it with Lazarus. The disciples had to face it with Judas when he did what he did. You know what they could have done? But I remember him rising to him from the dead when I remember him being a part of our group. And man, we miss Judas, but he's gone. What do we do? Do we stop our lives? Do we say life no longer goes on? So you have to deal with reality. How about when the children of Israel walk in the wilderness? We remember the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely. Bad use of words there. Not really free, <laughs> right? But you know what they remember? The melons, the leeks, the onions. The... Do, you, do you know why they could not see where they were headed? Because in their mind, their reality was stuck in the past. There, there was no hope in the future because all they could look at was where they came from. Instead of looking at the reality right now and going, you know what? God has gotten us this far. Do you guys remember like a couple days ago, this big giant sea opened up and we walked through it? Yeah, there was that. Well, that God that brought you through that, I think he's got a plan on where he's taking you. Yeah, but man, those melons. Oh, if you could just taste the melon. Let, let me show you. Let me show you right here. Look at that melon. Look at that. The Bible says, remember, remember Lot's wife. You see what she did? She looked back. She got stuck. Why? Because in her mind, everything in her life was behind and if everything in your life is behind you, you can't look forward. One time, Absalom rebels against David. And it's interesting because David, the king, says, don't hurt my son Absalom. You can fight, but don't kill him. And there's a lot in that story. Joab doesn't handle it right, clearly doesn't do that thing right, and he kills him. I think he takes those darts, and he's vengeful, and he throws them at Absalom. There's a, there's a moral in that story by itself. But I want to kind of bypass that for now, and I want to get you to the end of the story after Absalom is dead. And by the way, the men of, of Dave, David's men risked their lives to fight Absalom and his men to put David back on the throne. And you know what David is doing after those men risked their lives? Oh, Absalom! Absalom! It's a natural response for a parent. Right? Come on, guys. If your son dies by getting hung in a tree and people throw darts at his heart, you'd be a little upset too. But you know what David wasn't realizing? Hey, David, your son's dead. And those men that risked their lives... You know what their reality is? Did we do, what, what, what do we do now? We, we put him back on the throne or we, where do we go? What do we do? You know, all David could see was his son in the past. He couldn't see what it was doing to his men right there. 
You know what I'm getting at? Even the best of people struggle with this. And the reason they struggle with this is because they don't face reality in the eye and go, as much as I miss them, they're gone. As much as I wished it would have turned out differently, it didn't. Can I say this? I've tried things as a pastor. I'm like, oh, this is a great idea. Let's try this thing. And I try it, and it's like, well, that was an idiotic thought from the beginning. <laughs> you have to learn to say, it didn't work. I can't go, oh, God, oh, God, I tried. I look like an idiot. And they'll never, you, just go, you have to learn to say, this is, that. I learned something from that. Here's where I'm at today. You know what Paul says? Know you not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were, aren't you glad for that past tense? Such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified. You know what that is? That's looking at reality. Yeah, this is where I was at, but man, look at what God's doing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was my sinful past, but look what, and you know what? I, I missed that person. I missed that season. I missed that place. But look where I'm at, and God's not dead. He wants me to move on. You have to get up. Look, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1, verse number 2. Look what God tells him. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Brother Elvin, it's hard to throw trash when you're sitting down, isn't it? Amen. We got some guys in this church. I mean, where's Brother Felix at? There you go. All right, Brother Ben, Brother Ben, all right, all right. Uh, I'm missing someone out, Brother Thomas, you're not, he's not here today. But Brother Thomas and Brother, they could, t- and brother, oh, they could talk, talk to us about throwing trash. Here's one thing I know. You don't throw trash like this. Some things you can't do sitting down. Try mothering children without being able to get up behind them. Oh, my God. Have you ever left kids in a room and you're like, you think they're doing good? And you come back and find out there is evil going on here. You've got to follow them. You've got to watch them. You've got to, oh, no, they're fine. I mean, you know, they've got acres to play in. Why would they break their garage door? I don't know. It sounded like a good idea at the time. <laughs> you've got to watch them. Try mothering without getting behind your children, right? There are some things you just can't do. So, ask Joshua to go in and fight the Canaanites lying down. You know why God tells him to get up? He's not up. He's down. He's in the position that most people are in when they're stuck. Can't move. Now, let me just tell you, there are some things that you can't do. Brother Jose, I can tell you this much. You can't get the bad guys if you can't get behind them. If you're just lying down there going, no, stop, in the name of the law. Back when you could shoot them when they ran from you, you could get away with that. Right. Not anymore. <laughs> you got to get up. Do you understand what I'm getting at? There are some things you just can't do when you're down. After Samuel is crying about Saul, you know what the Lord tells him? He says, fill thine horn with oil and go. And I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Go. What's the moral of the story? You don't hear about David until Samuel is able to quit the days of mourning and go find David. Who's David? The best king Israel ever had. 
we wanted a king so bad. And then we got Saul and everything went down and he died and I can't believe this way this is going and the kingdom's in ruins and what are we going to do? Hey, God already knew what he was going to do, but you know what it took? It took Samuel being able to go, okay, I have to move on. For years, listen to me. This may sound easier to you than, if you know the story, the narrative, Samuel spent years of his life invested in Saul. He's the guy that, imagine anointing a guy to be king and he turns out to be a total jerk. And your name's attached to that guy. That's not how you want the legacy to die. You want that guy to go out in glory. You want that guy to turn around. You want that guy to repent. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes in life, when you've done everything right, it still doesn't turn out the way you want it to. What do you do when, you, when that happens? Well, with Samuel, God said, look, I know you're upset about Saul. I get it. I understand it. But can I remind you, there's another king. There's a better king. There's a picture of my son that will come, the son of David. David needs to get on that throne. But Samuel, that will never happen until you anoint him to be king. You've got to get up. You know what the angel of the Lord does with Joseph, Mary's husband? Arise, go into Egypt. Remember that? What if Joseph doesn't go? Your Christmas story isn't exactly how... <laughs> we don't have the same thing to sing about every year, I'll tell you that. You know he tells Joseph... Just, no, time out, time out. Imagine, I jokingly a couple weeks ago talked about the fact that, you know, my, my wife was pregnant on my 41st birthday, found out she was pregnant. I'm like, who did this? How did this happen? But can you imagine being Joseph and like this dream, this vision of an angel, and he's like, okay... Uh, so, so the, the girl you're about to marry, yeah, so she actually is pregnant, and it's not a guy. <laughs> Lord, I believe you, but can I look at her Facebook first? <laughs> and then after, after the baby's born, the Lord stood up and get, says, hey, look, I know this has been really hard for you, but you got to move to Egypt. Lord, I... First, we were up north in my hometown. Then I come down here, and we got to move again. Yeah, I need you to move. Then he gets to Egypt. The Lord's like, okay, so Herod's dead. Uh, plan C, I need you to go back. Lord, are you serious? Listen, for seasons of your life, you're going to be in a place where God has you for that time. And then he goes, time to move. Arise. Amen. I'm not sure if he asked why or that was, I'll take that as an amen. I'll take that as an amen. You know what the Lord does with Paul the Apostle after he gets knocked down? We learn this in Sunday school. He says, Arise and go into the town, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And if I'm Saul, after I get knocked down, this light shows up from heaven, I'm like, Lord, why don't you just tell me right now? The Lord says, I want you to learn to get up after you've fallen. Look, if you don't get up, you will never get what I have in front of you. Arise is a call for healing and moving on and restoration and a new path and a new hope and a new life. The reason you're saved right now is because you realize you had fallen in sin and you needed a savior. And because someone presented the gospel to you, you said, you know what? I know my life's broken. I know sin has broken me. I've got this guilt. I've got the skeletons in the closet. I've got that feeling when I'm alone by myself and there's no Instagram and there's no music and there's no YouTube. And I'm alone with my thoughts and I don't like that feeling and I want to be saved and you know what you did you got up and accepted Christ as your savior and that's what allowed you to move on to a new life in Christ 
But guess what? After you're saved, you got to get up over. You don't have to get saved over and over, thank God. But you'll fall over and over and over. And you'll find yourself stuck in a season of life. God says it's time to move on. You ever met those guys that are like, you know, 50 years old and they're still kind of, they're living in the 80s? Come on now, don't lie, act like, you know, they're wearing, you know, come on, the Jordash jeans. We don't need Jordash anymore. Jordash is a thing of the past. Let it die. The whitewash, Jordash is the, the tight polo, the, 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 the multicolored belt, you know. Some of you are like, what's wrong with that? I know it's all come back. I get it. I get it. But, but you know, you, you see certain people and they're living in a certain age and you can tell they're kind of like in their own mind, they're living their glory days. And then everyone else is kind of like, we can see you. What, what am I getting at? It's easy to get stuck in a good place in life. Right? <laughs> I pulled out the guys, you know. And this guy's, you know, like 65. And a little bit of hair he's got left, he's been dying it, you can tell. <laughs> and he's got a, you know, shiny new 2022 red Corvette. Nothing wrong, with, just, just, just bear with me, all right? And he's blaring like, dun 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 He thinks he's Magnum P.I., That's where he's at. You, you say what? Because he got stuck there. You have to learn to get up. You say why? Other people need you. You get up, why? Because God said you can. God doesn't tell you to do something you can't do. Yeah, but I really wanted this to turn out differently. I know. I'm not there anymore. I'm over here. Can I remind you of something? God is not the I was that I was. He is the I am that I am. <laughs> and as much as it's good sometimes to reflect back and thank God, Thanksgiving time, you look back at all the blessings of God and how good that was and how awesome this was. But man, God is, he didn't die with your memories back there. Listen, I get around certain people that talk about the good old days, you know, and you know, the, if you get around like, I'm not being disrespectful when I say this, you get around older preachers, they'll tell you, man, in the 1960s and 70s, you know what the mega churches in America were? They were our churches. Oh, those were the good old days, and we ran buses, and we had hundreds of kids coming, and guys, we're not in the 60s and 70s anymore. And God's not dead, and he's still saving people all around us. So you know what that tells me? It's not for me to go, oh, I just went. When the people of Israel saw that second temple there, as you read about that in Ezra, in the book of Ezra, and, and you, you hear about the people, and, and some of them are rejoicing, and some of them are mourning. You say, why? Because it's not like the former one. Well, guess what, Moses? Uh, Moses, uh, guess what, Joshua? Moses is gone. You go, you know what? I want to cross the Red Sea again. No, that would be going backwards. As awesome as that was, God's like, no, that's the wrong direction. Well, Lord, all that's here is the Jordan River. It's not as big and as mighty and as wonderful as the Red Sea. It's not as, yeah, but it's where I need you to go. You have to remember you're not alone. Look, if you go to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. Look at the middle of the verse. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Yeah, but Lord, do you remember the rod? Remember the, the rod turning into a snake? And then, Lord, do you remember the rod and him holding it up and the Red Sea? And Lord, do you remember the rod and, and him going out and showing the rod of the people and the water turns to blood? And Lord, do you, Lord's like, yeah, I remember that. 
But Lord, do you remember the plagues? Do you remember the Red Sea? Do you remember all the, the amazing and mighty things that Moses did? Yes, Joshua, I remember all that. Guess who gave him the power to do it? Moses didn't do it on his own. Moses was the man that he was, the great man of God, because of the God that he was serving. I think Joshua probably said, Lord, your servant is gone. I think the Lord probably responded, yeah, but the Lord of the servant is still here. You know, the Bible says in Malachi, I am the Lord, I change not. I don't mean to pick on you guys, but man, from the time of 13 to about 19, you guys change a lot. I don't just mean in highest. Like, you go through different stages, you go through like the, you know, the, the, this stage, you know, that stage, you know. Then you, you get older and you, you, you like certain things, certain clothes, certain shoes, and then you kind of grow out of that stage. And I, I remember my kids going through various stages, and we'll pick on Ariana since she's not here. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> she went through a stage that we called the R, the pirate stage. She's wearing these puffy shirts, these sleeves like this. And we're like, what, do you like, why, do you, why do you want to be a pirate? What are you talking about, Dad? You just don't understand. Okay. <laughs> so now we look at pictures like, why did you let me dress that way? Really? That's how that's going to go down? We all go through stages, are you with me? And we change a lot. Aren't you thankful for a God that doesn't change? He's never out of style. (laughs) He's always with the times. But he never changes. I'm thankful God doesn't wake up one morning. Look, I'll be honest with you. I got great kids. I love my family. There's mornings I've woken up. And you know, like, they get up a little earlier than I want them to, and I'm like, I want some quiet time, you know? And I'm like, what are you doing up? I'm trying to read my Bible and be spiritual right now. Don't you see the joy of the Lord all over my face? (laughs) She has discovered that she can get up before her brother. She can have daddy and I time. (laughs) She'll slip into my office, hey, daddy. It's six, six in the morning. What are you doing? And you know, you know what happens in that moment? I'm not exactly the happiest man to be around. <laughs> and we change like that based on the circumstances. But thank God he doesn't. Yeah. Let me tell you, I've known, I've known some people that have gone through some hard things. The Bible says there's four things for which the earth is disquieted, and one of them is a barren womb. I've met women shed years of their lives spit in tears because they wanted so badly to have a child. My heart goes out to them. I, I, I'm not a woman. It's 2022, but I still can't relate to this, okay? <laughs> not a woman, never felt like a woman, don't understand. I mean, thank, I'm thankful that, that we have, I'm glad we're not all dudes. It would stink, man. Can you imagine coming to church? There'd be no decorations of the wall. It'd be like boogers hanging all over the place. <laughs> It, it would just be gross if it was just men. Yeah, wow, you would be in there too. We would, none of us, we need women. I'm thankful for women, okay? I'm not, dis, I'm not, dis, I'm thankful for what God did in this whole man-woman thing. I'm thankful we don't need to become each other. I'm thankful for all that stuff. But, but I, I'm, I've never understood things that women go through because I'm not one of them. But I can see it and go, man, that, 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 you can just see the pain. You can see the heartache. And you know what I've also seen? I've seen some moms that have said, you know what? Or some women that have said, I always wanted to be a mom. 
and I can't be. But there's some kids at church that I can be a mom to. And I've seen their lives turn around because they said, you know what? My favorite stories are the moms that go, we're going to adopt, and as soon as you start adoption process, you have a kid. (laughs) But the moral of the story is not whether you get your way or not. The moral of the story is this. Something happens to you when you're able to deal with the reality and go, this is me. This is where things are at. God's not done with me. He asked me to get up. And he's not done with me because, not because I'm something great, but because he goes with me. I don't go alone. (laughs) There's something about people going with you. I mean, there are times, I think, where were we? Somewhere the other day, one of my kids, I was like, hey, can you go talk to that person? Can you come with me? (laughs) And there was just like, yeah, okay. uh, She's thinking, you never come with, because you're 18. (laughs) She's 11. There's something about that. I knock down with flowers. This is my day. Knocking phones, knocking flowers. You, you understand, though? You have to learn to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to get up. You're with me. I'm not alone. Ever felt alone? Sure you have. No one understands what I'm going. They don't. And if you expect them to, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But you're not alone. If you're saved, you've got the Spirit of God inside of you. Amen. You know, he says to him, the way I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Yeah, but it just, it just won't be the same. Look, you're not meant to be Moses. Right. Amen. One time in the Gospels, there's a story about a guy that marries this woman, then he dies. You know the story? And then his brother marries this woman, and then he dies. Listen, guys, let me tell you something. If you had, I know you don't have seven brothers, but you had like seven cousins, and, and every time this guy marries this girl, he dies, don't marry her. <laughs> but they asked the Lord in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? Trying to catch the Lord. You know what the Lord says? Uh, God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Amen. You say, well, that's, that, back there, I want, it's dead. It's gone. You're still here. God's still here. He goes with you. Look, if you go to chapter 3, go to Joshua chapter 3 as we round this out. How do I move on? You learn to deal with reality, face it head on. You learn to understand that there's a time to get up. God doesn't have you go alone. You have to go on. And you have to know that there's so much life ahead of you. Look at Joshua chapter 3. I don't think Joshua knew everything that was in front of him. God didn't tell him everything. Look at verse number 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Talking about the Ark of the Covenant. Come not near to it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. Why? For ye have not passed this way heretofore. Whether it's a church looking at a new building, whether it's the things you're dealing with in your life, every one of us goes individually and collectively. We face life. We go, I haven't been here before. I haven't raised adult children. 
I don't know what this is going to be like. I don't know what it's like to have a 20-year-old and a baby in the same house. I haven't been this way heretofore. Whatever's going on in your life, you can look at it and go, I don't know how to, I've never been here before. And God's like, that's okay, but I'm still going to work in your life. Why? Because there's so much life ahead of you that you can't see. God tells him in this chapter to cross the Jordan. As I mentioned before, it wasn't the Red Sea, but it was something. And if you read the chapter, you know what the Bible says? As soon as the priest touched the brim of that water, that water stands up like a pillar, and they walk through on dry land. Yeah, but it wasn't the Red Sea. God doesn't need to go through the Red Sea again. He wants to go through the Jordan and go into the promised land. Yeah, but it's not like it was before. That's not the point. The point is what's ahead. You read the story of Naomi. She leaves Bethlehem, the house of bread, and goes to Moab, God's wash pot. And you know when Naomi comes back, they go, hey, Naomi. Hey, and by the way, Naomi means pleasant. Hey, Naomi, how you doing, man? I haven't seen you in years. If they're that overly obvious friend, you've really aged. <laughs> you ever come to church just like, oh, man, you don't look so good. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Naomi comes back and they're like, hey, Naomi, hey, Naomi. She says, don't call me that. That means pleasant. Call me Mara. I went out pleasant. I'm coming back empty and bitter. Why? Because she couldn't look ahead at what God was going to do through Boaz, through Ruth. It wasn't on the radar. All she could see was what she had left and what she had lost. Are you listening? So much life. Years later, when she's holding that little baby, holding little Jesse, holding that baby, tears, tears streaming down her face going, I never could have seen this years ago when I came back, when I was bitter, when I was empty, and look what I'm holding in my arms right now. God, you are a great God. And I think God whispers down, I told you I'd be with you. God has so much more for you ahead. If you're here and you've never been born again, can I say this? The greatest thing in front of you is heaven. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what your past is like. doesn't matter where you came from. doesn't matter what race you are. doesn't matter your socioeconomic status, your level of education. Aren't you glad with God is an equal opportunity savior? Amen? Amen? And if you are a sinner, you qualify. Thank God that qualifies for all of us. Whosoever will, let him come. You know what he's saying? Regardless of where you're at in your past, I want to make you mine. I want to adopt you into my family. I want to give you heaven as your home. I want to give you the peace of eternal life. And listen, if you're saved, and I mainly talk to you today, he's given you that already. But let's be honest, life gets in the way, doesn't it? And you wonder, what are you doing, God? What is happening? Why are things the way that they are? I wish they were like they used to be. When you're younger, you can't wait to get old. And then one day you look in the mirror and you're like, how come when I see myself in my mind, I don't look like this? <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like 20 pounds thinner, I'm toned, I'm muscle, you know, just, just high school days, right? I look in the mirror and it's like, what it was here has now fallen. <laughs> you go, where are the former days? But God wants to work in your life now. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed.
Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and thank you for the opportunity to open up the word of God. Lord, you've got some people that, like Joshua, Lord, they might need to, they might need to move on. Lord, it's hard. Moving on is not easy. Lord, there's some desires. I just really wanted this. I wanted this thing to work out. I wanted this thing in my life or whatever. Lord, it might be people. It might be relationships. I don't know what they're facing, but I know this. They need to know that you're there. They need to know that moving on is the right thing. God, you might need to comfort some hearts this morning that are weeping over some legitimate things, some legitimate reasons. Lord, I, I pray this message is not translated into just get over it. That's not it. We weep. We cry. We shed a tear. Our hearts are broken. But, oh Lord, I know for our own sake, it's not for you. You don't change and you will still be God, but, Lord, for our sake. Lord, you give us the charge like Joshua to move on. Cross that Jordan River to get up, to know that you're with us. God, would you help the people minister to them? So, the Lord's spoken to you. I pray you'd return the favor and maybe speak back to them. Take your time. There's no rush. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask a real simple question. I spent the majority of the message talking to people that I, I believe are saved. They know that if they died, they'd, they'd be in the arms of their Savior. If you don't have that assurance, this is not a sales pitch. If you don't have that assurance, can, can we? would you allow someone here to open the Bible and show you how to be saved? As these pray and take their time, we'll, life will go on, life will move on. But as these folks pray, I'm going to challenge you. If you're here and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're saved, can I, can I encourage you to leave here with some hope for a lost and dying world? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you know you're saved, you know what you could do? You could, you could slip up your hand. You could say amen. You go, yep, that's me. I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved. That's great. That's awesome. If you can't, if you're not sure, this isn't a, a religion. This isn't joining our church. This is about you and God, your creator, your designer. He became your redeemer and your savior. He lived on this earth for 33 and a half years. And the Bible says that even as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up and draw all men to Him. He became a curse for us so that we could be delivered. If you're here and you're not so sure about your salvation, while we have heads bowed and eyes closed, can I ask you, would you be honest enough if you're not sure about that? Maybe to slip up your hand ever so discreetly. I'd just, I'm not going to point you out, but I'd like to pray for you if you're not sure that you're saved. I'll tell you what, you don't, you don't want to miss out on this. You say, well, you saved people have problems. Yeah, guess what? Join humanity. 
you're going to have problems the rest of your life. But I know this. When I was a very young man, the age of 12, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I took care of the biggest problem I ever had. I faced a lot of issues since then. But man, I'm thankful for that. The song that Megan is playing is, I am resolved. I'm resolved to go to the Savior. You know what that is? It's moving on. I want to say this in closing, one last thing. Please do not take this message as a get over it message. That's not the point. The point is you're human. You are going to weep. You are going to look back at certain seasons and wish you could go back, but you can't. And the sooner you go, okay, God, this is my reality, but my reality is not void of you. And there's so much more ahead you have for me. The sooner you can move on, amen? Thank you, Miss Megan. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for being here today. Uh, I am going to uh, suggest for our discipleship class that we start uh, in about 10 minutes uh, because uh, the food will be here after that and it'll give us time to at least get going. So we'll start about 10 minutes up here. Uh, For everybody else, thank you for coming today. Hope to see you Wednesday night doing a study right now on Wednesday night about music, what the Bible says about music. Hopefully those that are coming are learning something out of that, um, getting something out of that. I'll say this much about it. God is a musical being, amen? Largest book in your Bible is the book of Psalms. It is a musical book, and God loves music. It's just a matter of what we're doing with it ourselves that makes a difference. Hopefully you can come back Wednesday night and learn about that, uh, and uh, we'll see you, Lord willing, at that time, 7 o'clock. All right, brother, DBC, Wednesday night, is that right? Carnival is the theme, all right, guys? So clowns creep me out, but whatever you guys want to dress up as is fine. Fine. Uh, but uh, anyways, let's go ahead and close out in a word of prayer. And, and again, don't forget to wish Carnahan's happy 13-year anniversary. Congratulations, guys. Oh, wait, where's Mia? Mia, where you at? All right, how old are you today? Twelve. Twelve. That's right. And you were 11 just yesterday. <laughs> How do we move on from that? <laughs> Mia, we love you, sweetie. Happy birthday. And uh, I will ask your dad to close us out in a word of prayer. Uh, we'll see you here Wednesday night, Lord willing. Thank you for coming today.